All right, we're back for week three of Processing Blue. We've got the man, Mike K, back. I uh, had Scott Fowler last week. You playing hooky on me, man. What happened? I think I was in the hot summer sun. Of- <laughs> you had to sweat a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was uh, – last week in particular was brutally hot, and I think my, like, mind melted. I don't even – I. I don't even remember last week at this point. I've got my notes, but it was so hot. What What is Spartanburg like to somebody who's not used to it and new to it? What is that like? Who's never been there? I mean, I really like downtown. I thought it was kind of cool. No, no, the weather. Oh, the I know weather. Um, the I weather. mean, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day who's from Jacksonville, but, like, Jacksonville's hot. Jacksonville's not Spartanburg yeah. hot. And it's just, it, I mean, you feel it. I, I you know... I told our editor the other day, I was just like, uh, I don't know what to do because I just like, um, it's too hot. Like, and I, and look, you know, I try to hydrate as much as possible, but that weather is brutal. No, it's, 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 it's like putting on a blanket when you walk outside. It's like you take a shower, but it's like, what's the point? Right. (laughs) As soon as you go outside. You're sweating. But, Mike, let's talk about Little Panthers. Uh, big move this week. They signed a four-time Pro Bowler, Justin Houston, to a one-year deal worth up to $7 million. This guy's got 111 and a half sacks in his career. He once had 22 for the Chiefs about nine years ago. He's 34 years old. Is he going to have anything left for the Panthers this year? Well, as a 35-year-old, I you know, I I think he <laughs> he is he is young and spry. No, I'm just uh, – Listen, he's coming off a nine-and-a-half-sack season with Baltimore. He's a rotational pass rusher. You've got Marquise Haynes, who's dealing with a back injury. So he was the favorite to start prior to Houston signing. Um, he'll get uh, Houston will get $6 million, you know, guaranteed here. Mm-hmm. That's starter money. Um, that's yeah. number two edge money. And so I think what you'll see is Justin Houston and Brian Burns are those two main guys – at edge, you'll see Marquise Haynes rotate in. We'll see what they think of uh, Yitar Gross Matos. He's kind of an odd fit in this scheme. We've written about it a bunch of times. We've talked about it a bunch of times. They've had two guys in Kobe Jones, a practice squad holdover, and then undrafted rookie Iku Leota, who have outplayed third-round pick DJ Johnson to this point. What mm-hmm. I do think is interesting about this Justin Houston signing, and I've written about this before when I did my thoughts on the rookies and we talked during the first podcast, I thought DJ Johnson was put in a spot that was kind of unfair for him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he's turning 25 in October, but he's right. kind of a project and he probably shouldn't be forced out onto the field because that doesn't really help anyone. So having Justin Houston come in, coming in gives DJ Johnson the opportunity for maybe a red shirt year. Maybe, red shirt, yeah, 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 or maybe like a red shirt, like first half of the season, which I think mm-hmm. is great. Well, Panther fans remember, you know, Lamar Layton and Kevin Green, the salt and pepper, where the, the both linebackers got a ton of sacks. Are we going to see that this year? We're going to get a lot of sacks on both ends from these guys, you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, as you know, and as you mentioned, Dom Capers' defense historically, which Ejiro Evero has basically adopted, needs mm-hmm. two pass rushers to really make it work. And, right. yeah, I do think, you know, if Justin Houston comes in and maybe he doesn't get nine and a half sacks, but he gets six and a half or seven and a half sacks, that's well worth that $6 million. Um, and I think they've played this whole market pretty well. We saw Yannick Ngakwe get $10 million from Chicago. We saw Leonard Floyd get $7 million with $9 million, uh, with $2 million more in, in incentives. Um, the Panthers didn't pay that. 
And they paid it for a guy who had comparable numbers last year. Yeah, he's 34, but you view this as a one-year rental because in, in a perfect world, DJ Johnson is ready next year. Um, right. You have some other younger guys that can maybe develop. This is a stopgap bridge sort of pass rusher who's been extremely productive. And I think you have him coming in right ahead of the Jets joint practices, right ahead of the preseason. He's probably not going to need a lot of preseason work. He's played in a 3-4 for most of his career. You know he fits. You know he's not going to have to learn a ton. Just let him go out there and rush. And I think, yeah, I think he can really help Brian Burns because it's really hard to cover, I mean, to, to block both of these guys. And if you can move them around from the weak side to the strong side and vice versa, and you can blitz with Frankie Louvu, they're going to send a bunch of fireballs, as Andy Reid used to say, uh, towards the opposing offense. Can they stop the run, Mike? That's been a consistent problem here in Carolina. We, you know, we did the 3-4 thing one time before. It didn't work out too well. Can they stop the run with this group? Well, I'll say this. Houston's a much better and much more round, well-rounded run defender than uh, than than Yannick Ngakwe. And I think a lot of people wanted Yannick Ngakwe because of his sack numbers. I think mm-hmm. the Panthers did right by themselves in going after Justin Houston, who can play against the run, but he's also a rotational pass rusher. So mm-hmm. you're going to need to get production against the run out of Marquise Haynes. You're going to get need to get production out of Eter Matos. You're going to need to get uh, you know production out of those other guys. And I think that's a question that still needs to be answered. It's kind of impossible to really say whether they're going to be this group that can do both. And I think that's something we need to watch out for in, in the preseason. All right, let me flip you around and let's talk about offense a little bit. Scott was in last week and we talked about Bryce Young having, you know, four interceptions and four straight practices. And I asked Scott, was that a problem? He said, not a problem at all. What do you think about Bryce Young so far? I know he had he looked good a little bit in practices last week. What are, what are your thoughts so far? I think he's looked very good. I mean, he's a rookie. He, he looks, there are times where he looks like a rookie. But what I think is encouraging is if you look at all uh, six or what is it? All four six of his interceptions during the summer, it's really been like every single one of them is different. Like there's nothing that's like very um, similar. Like the most similar ones were the the pick that happened yes, uh, yesterday in practice on Sunday and his first pick of practice uh, training camp mm-hmm. practice where he had a miscommunication with a wide receiver who wasn't in the area and threw a ball directly to C.J. Henderson on both of these picks up the seam. That's going to happen. He's young. They're installing plays. Um, you know, I think he's looked really accurate. I mean, he's thrown, if math off the top of my head is correct, he's thrown 105 11-on-11 11 11 passes, and he's completed 67 of them for around a 64-point-something percent percentage sorry i'm a journalist not a math major <laughs> but I mean, in the you know he had like kind of a light workload yes on sunday but yeah. on saturday as of saturday he completed 65 of 100 passes and i i think that's right where you want it to be especially as he's learning he's making the mistakes when he should be making those mistakes and he doesn't really make the same mistake twice so i i think for the panthers you should feel really encouraged and if you think about some of the drops that have happened in training camp. He's had like Saturday, he went 10, uh, he went uh, seven of 15, but he threw mm-hmm. three perfect passes that were dropped, two of which were for touchdowns. So your stat line looks a little bit different, right? If you have everybody 
I support well, Panther fans they used to drop passes. They lived through Ted Ginn dropping touchdown passes from Cam Newton. They've seen some of that. But Mike, are you concerned looking at him get hit? Does he get does he get hit? And you guys all kind of go, you know, is he going to get up? Well, he hasn't gotten hit in practice because he can't, right? Well, like, but yeah, I mean, look, I when I was watching his film, I mean, it was like watching a, a tank run over like a small dog. It was like a very mm-hmm. You know, it's like a jarring image. Um, And he's this tiny guy. There's no question about it. If a guy like, um, you know, Chris Jones from the Chiefs sacks him, it's going to look horrifying, especially if he falls on him. That said, I mean, he played in the SEC. Like, I I just, I mean, I I don't, the Panthers clearly aren't concerned, but I I don't we won't know until it happens. Right. Like it's a difficult situation to kind of project because so many things have to factor in. He was only injured one game in college and Nick Saban blamed it on, on Bryce for trying to do too much. Too much. Right. And so I think when we look at his injury um, concerns, he's just going to have to be smart with the ball. He hasn't really run it a lot. Uh, We were Mm -hmm. in practice the other day and a fan behind me, uh, after he took off for an unusual run for two yards and went out of bounds, <laughs> the guy yelled out something to the effect of, I, man, I never want to see that guy run ever. Like, uh, and I thought that was really funny, but I think it is indicative of, of the concern of, you know, he is a smaller guy, but I got to tell you, he's confident in the pocket. He doesn't really get rattled. There are times where he'll make a poor decision or a poor throw, but everybody does that. Peyton Manning had several interceptions this rookie year. Right. I mean, uh, 28 of it. Yeah, he's going to learn. Listen, like, I, I've been asked on radio shows if I'm concerned about, like, he had five straight practices with an interception. I once covered Blake Bortles, who threw five interceptions in one training camp practice, and months later, he was in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I per- my, my belief in tracking stuff, as you can see in, in our breakdowns every day of practice, is for context, right? And and so we, I can get context on every interception. I can get context on every completion and incompletion. I can understand what's going on. Now, I don't have all the context, right? Like, I don't know the play call, but right. it's all about context. This isn't about judging Bryce Young and his performance because we won't know what he how he can perform until he actually takes meaningful snaps. Like, even the preseason is going to be a little bit of a dress rehearsal. So I'm interested to see how all this turns out. You talk about Young having some interceptions. Is that to mean the defense has been getting the better of the offensively? Yeah, and that, and that's not unusual. Typically, the offense is trying to install uh, a bajillion plays, and the defense is really mostly reacting in their shells coverage or or you know playing to their technique. There's so much more that goes into offense. Defense, it's more reactionary. And that's why I'm really interested to see what happens during these jet joint practices the next few days uh, mm-hmm. and the preseason game because Bryce, you know, I'm not saying he has like, you know, when you play poker with the same guy every weekend, you know what his tells are, right? I'm not sure. saying Bryce has tells, but when you've gone up against the same guy every single practice, tendencies. yeah, there are tendencies, right? Yeah. And so I think... I think when we look at this whole summer, everything's been building towards this. They've been installing plays. They've been practicing how to practice, right? Now they get to go up against the defense that has 
Quentin Williams and Carl Lawson, DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, um, Jordan Whitehead, uh, Jermaine Johnson, Willie McDonald, who they loved here um, mm-hmm. and could have been an option if he fell in the first round. He didn't. He got drafted in the teens, but he could have been a trade-up option, and we're, this is a completely different offseason, right? Um, he is going to have the deck stacked against him Let's see if he can be Alabama Bryce and and kind of move around the pocket and do some of the interesting stuff. One note I will give you, he is not testing the field deep. It's something he has not done at all. It's almost like they're trying to process the short to intermediate game because they know he can throw the ball downfield. They know he has escape ability and he can improvise. It's almost like they're like retooling him from a short to intermediate range because all throughout the offseason program, he made these incredible downfield strikes. He hasn't really tested that uh, yet. He only has about four touchdowns. If I'm concerned about my offensive line, I don't want to hold a ball to let a guy run down the field. I mean, maybe that. Well, sure. And to that point, on Saturday, Taylor Motten got a, the right tackle got a day off. And boy, could you tell. Uh, they were uh eco leota the undrafted rookie got at least three pressures at least two would be sacks uh kobe jones got pressures brian burns was relentless like that was a real i mean like the fact that bryce even completed as many passes as he did i mean it was pretty astonishing but um yeah i mean there are questions i mean i think this offensive line was a little overrated last year but now not having their best offensive lineman in right guard Austin Corbett, it makes things interesting. I think Cade Mays has done a pretty good job uh, mm. filling in the second year. Does Corbett come back soon, or you think it'll be like midseason? Well, he said yesterday, um, Scott uh, did a story on him today. Check out in the, in the charlotteobserver.com. Wonderful website, $1 subs. Um, you know, he said that he wasn't sure if he was going to be back in week one. He was pretty sure he wouldn't be. Um, okay. I'm anticipating him being on the pup list uh, entering mm-hmm. the season. And if that were to happen, that's mm-hmm. just a guess, just my vibe, um, right. not a report. But uh, if that were to happen, he'd miss the first four games of the regular season. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's fine. I mean, you don't want to rush him back too early. He's not obviously going to play in the preseason, so you're going to want to build him up. And I think that that's – A lot of short passes if he doesn't play the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, it's going to be tough. That's why I'm interested to see Cade Mays versus Quinn and Williams because um, that's a matchup that's kind of scary on paper. Um, you know, I think they have some pretty good edge rushers and Carl Lawson, McDonald, and, and Johnson – uh, they'll be able to throw guys at him. Solomon Thomas is a veteran who can move in and out of the lineup. That's going to be a nice challenge for Brady Christensen. Um, yeah. The Jets are stacked, and Robert Sala calls a great defense. I covered him as when he was a linebackers coach in Jacksonville. Uh, I covered Nate Hackett, their offensive coordinator, for several years in Jacksonville. Um, I know he's caught a lot of criticism for what went down in Denver, but he's also the guy that hired Idro Evero who became a prime candidate as a defensive coordinator one year later again after just one year as a defensive coordinator in Denver. Let's talk about the receivers. If Bryce is going to have a big season, these guys are going to throw it onto the ball. One guy who looked good late last year under Steve Wilkes was Terrence Marshall. I saw you had him on Twitter making a really pretty uh, toe-tapper in the corner end zone the other day. What are you seeing out of him? Is he going to have a breakout season? I think he's a guy who's primed for it. I mean, you know, the other day, Frank Reich said that he could get off press coverage. He's fast. He's got good size, all this other stuff. The problem with him last year really was he wasn't really playing to his size. He had one, like, garbage time touchdown against the Bengals in that awful blowout in Cincinnati. But he did average uh, 
quite a bit of yards per care uh, per catch. I think it was around 17 yards, which is among tops in the league. He's a guy who's got good size at six, two, he's 200 pounds. He can, you know, he's one of those LSU guys. Like he's got great speed, great size, great length. It's just putting it all together. DJ Chark was a guy who matured very quickly in Jacksonville, who also went to LSU and has very comparable traits. Um, I think that year three could be the year. Now, they drafted Jonathan Mingo in the second round. Those two guys have kind of ebbed and flowed in momentum. Like, Jonathan Mingo had, like, a really good first three practices, and Terrace Marshall, you kind of forgot, even played for the team. And then since then, it's been all Terrace Marshall all the time, and Mingo's kind of had some some blunders. I brought up the drops the other day. Uh, Bryce Young threw, like, an epically perfect pass uh, Mm -hmm. into the end zone to Mingo, and he dropped it. Like, it it was rough. But, like, I think they're going to rotate at that X position. I think DJ Chark has greatly uh, exceeded expectations after signing a one-year, $5 million deal. I mean, he is beating guys deep. His ability to track the ball is just fun. Like, Scott Scott really raved about him last week. Uh, Talked about, you know, he's kind of been Bryce's – you know, blanket, you know, his, uh, his favorite blanket that he could always go to. Yeah. But Mike, look, you, you put a, a note out on Twitter. We got some questions for Kay and I want to shoot them to you. Number one, how does Miles Sanders look so far? He's a good, he's run with authority. He had a bit of a tweak the other day uh, in practice for an undisclosed body part, um, but then returned on Sunday. He's a guy that just, I mean, he's a one cut runner who can catch the ball. He's had some struggles in, in the past, but he's looked good as a receiver in this pra- uh, this stretch of practices, excuse me. And I think he's going to be the, he's not going to be a bell cow because that's not what Frank Reich believes in. It's not what Deuce Daly believes in. It's not what Thomas Brown believes in. Mm-hmm. He is a guy who is just going to touch the ball a lot. And I think he's set up to succeed here. How did the Panthers use uh, your two of gross models now after the signing of Johnson of, of Justin Houston? So he, he, they're kind of just trying to figure out where he fits. He's a really awkward fit for a 4-3 th- defense, but as like most defenses in the league, they will have 4-3 looks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they want to sh- throw as much as they can at opposing offenses. They want to be multiple, so, which is coaches speak for, hey, we just want to use a bunch of different lineups. Um, <laughs> That's right. But like I said, he's kind of an awkward fit for a 3-4 defense. Um, mm-hmm. They have him kind of rushing inside a little bit. They have him rushing outside when they have the 4-3 looks. It'll be interesting to see how this move impacts them because really, like, they're in a spot where they can just rotate Marquise Haynes and Justin Houston opposite Brian Burns and just kind of go with minimal young developing depth behind him. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the preseason and if Yitor Grossmatos gets moved. We got this question from three different people. Mm-hmm. Can Deion Jones become a defensive starter for the Panthers this season? I think they'll have different packages where it'll depend on the matchup. Idro Evero seems like a really cerebral guy and a guy who kind of wants to mix and match personnel. Right now they have Frankie Louvu and um, uh, Shaq Thompson starting inside. I think signing Houston kind of helps them because – while Lubu can move outside, he's not really a natural edge rusher. He's more of a blitzer. They're two different personality types to to the position. Right. They're two different aspects, as you know. Um, and this allows Frankie to stay inside. And I think his ability to blitz makes this defense better because mm-hmm. you don't know where he's coming from as that 11th man. I think there will be packages where, you know, they do run kind of a 4-3 look and it's it puts Deion Jones on the field more. I think they really like his range. 
He's impressed the last couple of days, and I think they like what he does in coverage. I could see them going to him as a dime linebacker. Originally, that seemed like that was like going to be a Jeremy Chin role. I actually mm-hmm. think Deion Jones would be much better off in that position. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have Camus Grugier-Hill, who has just made play after play during training camp. He's a special teams ace. I think they go four or five deep at inside linebacker, and I think Deion Jones will get a lot of playing time, whether, whether he starts games or not. I don't really know if that matters. Right. Yeah, so. As long as you're out on the field when it counts. Um, this The last question comes from somebody who's probably traumatized by seeing Mike Evans run by the Panthers over and over again last year against Tampa Bay. But if J.C. Horn goes down with another injury, is it all going to fall apart in the secondary? I mean, as of now, yeah. I mean, I think C.J. Henderson's had a That's not the right answer, Mike. <laughs> I think as of right now, C.J. Henderson's had the best camp of any of the corners, which is a really okay. great sign. Um, yeah. You know, he had his fifth-year option uh, declined, and he said that he came back with a new edge. Um, I think they feel good about him. Keith Taylor, who uh, had a really rough uh, game against the Steelers, if you remember last year. Yeah, I remember. Um, is playing very well to his size. I think Jonathan Cooley, the cornerback's coach, and obviously D'Angelo Hall, the assistant cornerback's coach, have done a really good job with this group. Stanley Thomas Oliver is a guy who's got versatility. So I think they like the group. I don't think they love it from a depth mm-hmm. point, standpoint, but I do think having C.J. Henderson is kind of like a 2B starter mm-hmm. behind J.C. Horn and – Dante Jackson's really important. Look, J.C. Horn's a top ten corner in this league. Anytime you lose a top ten corner, you're gonna you're gonna take lumps, right? Like Dante right. Jackson going down. I don't know if they're as like even close to as concerned. J.C. Horn's really the crown jewel of that secondary, but I think they have a really good safety tandem in Von Bell and Xavier Woods. People have raved about their communication skills, their ability to put people in the right places, and I think that does help, especially if you do need to go to depth corners. Um, it'll help improve the communication back there. So I don't think it'll be as bad, but I think losing J.C. Horn is just like going to be nuclear to this defense if that were to happen again. Nuclear is not a really good answer. All right, before we get out of here, we got to go to my favorite part of the show. It's time for Case Takes. What do you have, Mike? Well, I figured we could talk about three guys heading into the preseason that I think are really, really interesting. And I think their roster spots really hang in the balance of how well they play. So the first guy is undrafted – Pass rusher Iku Leota, out of who's from Asheville, uh, went to Northwestern Auburn. He's done a really, really nice job this week. I don't know that any undrafted players helped themselves out in Panthers camp as much as Leota has done. Um, he had three pressures during Fan Fest. He had at least two would-be sacks the ne- very next practice. He's just kind of been everywhere, and I think he's a guy who will play well when the pads come on and the, the, the hits are live. Um, another guy that I really like on the edge is Kobe Jones. He's a practice squad holdover, went to Mississippi State. He bounced around a little bit over the last couple of years looking for a home. Um, he's really impressed me. And, and sometimes you get to the point where you you have only like three guys who are going to play a lot, but you have three guys that you feel like are roster, rosterable behind them. And so you say, look, we only want to keep five guys. What do we do with this other guy? Sometimes you can, if you need help at corner, let's say, and another team could potentially cut another corner, maybe you skip the waiver wire and you swap guys, right? Right. Um, He's a guy that I think can earn his way onto a 53-man roster, even if it's not the Panthers with a really strong 
preseason. And then let's talk about the offensive line, right? We, we brought we brought that up earlier. Nash Jensen, an undrafted rookie from North Dakota State, who was getting raves from the coaching staff even before they arrived in training camp. That dude is nasty. He is like an old school, like Jordan Gross style offensive lineman. He wants to run you over and affect your life. I mean, he is like a... He is a bulldozer. We talked about the tank running over Bryce Young. This yeah. dude is a just mauler. He's an old school dude, and I I really dig that. And it seems like the coaching staff really does too. Um, you know, Chandler Zavala has been out uh, of practice up until a couple of days ago, the fourth round pick, with a yeah. hamstring injury. And I think that Jensen's done a really nice job of taking advantage of extra reps. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, look, this is a team that had um, – you know, they've had offensive linemen in the past go from undrafted free agents to really, really strong players. I'm trying to remember his name. My brain is just like not working. Um, their old left guard who started in the Super Bowl for them. He signed with Jacksonville while I was there. Oh, Andrew Nor was it Andrew Norman? No. Norwood? Andrew Norwell. Andrew Norwell, right? Norwell. Wait, I gotta look this up because this is gonna drive me crazy now. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a guy who has some upside that can play really well. And, you know, it helps to have, you know, some of the – yep, Andrew Norwell. Look at me. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he went from being, you know, an undrafted rookie out of Ohio State to being a, an all-pro for a Super Bowl team, and I think that that's kind of impressive. I'm not saying that's Jensen's uh, Jensen's upside, but I do think he is a guy who. I was gonna say, should the, should the, the fourth round pick NC State kid feel a little nervous? <laughs> well, you know what? It's very interesting you say that because it does kind of feel like, you know, some of these guys that we've just talked about have put a lot of pressure on third round pick DJ Johnson and fourth round pick, uh, you know, Chandler Zavala. And, yeah. you know, Iku Leota and Nash Jensen are both undrafted free agents. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, competition, competition. Um, before we get out of here, I asked Mike last week, Bucky Brooks thinks the Panthers are going to win the NFC South. 30 seconds. What do you think? I think they will be very competitive. Uh, I think the Saints are a little bit better uh, just because they have some familiarity with the staff. I think it'll be really competitive to the end. But I have the Panthers right now. Before the preseason, going nine and eight, and I think that, and I think it, you're going to need ten wins to win this division, unlike last year. Nine and eight, he says. All right, that there it is from Mike K. Week three of processing blue. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you come back next week, and we'll be talking about some real football next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on your opinion of the preseason. <laughs> A little bit of real football. I'm Langston. That's Mike. This is Processing Blue. We'll catch you next week.